0: Last week we were talking about prayer, if you remember. I was starting to unpack the, the background of prayer, if you like. The need for prayer uh, that we all have. I said essentially that prayer is relationship with God. Keep hold of that. That's all it is. Don't let yourself get caught up into... All these specialities. Ultimately, prayer is simply about relationship with God. However, our level of dependence upon God, and this is a key thing, our level of dependence upon God is displayed by the amount of our prayer. Our level of dependence upon God is displayed by the level of our prayer. Now, I know that that sounds like a bit of a challenge. Um, it's not... Well, I suppose it is designed to stir us up because it's give us something to think about. But it is a realistic measure. Dependence, dependence, our dependence on God is shown through our connection with Him. Equally independence is shown by our lack of connection with Him. Okay, so it's just a simple measure for every one of us. You're going around saying how great I am as a Christian and yet there is no dependence upon God, then we have to question that and it's okay because we need some accountability. Anyway, enough said about that. That was the background of prayer that we were looking at last week. And this week, I want to talk a little bit further about what I learnt. And I suppose I want to say to every Christian here, whether you are aware of it or not, or you're going to be aware of it, you are in the army. You are in the army. You are a soldier... In God's army. As a Christian, we're soldiers in God's army. Hence, yes, that's why I am dressed like this. Okay? Because I'm just giving you a visual, a visual understanding so that you can connect to that in your minds. In actual fact, I can probably say now, it almost doesn't matter what I say today. (laughs) <laughs> because you will all go away and know, okay, we're in the army, we're in the army, because, you know, Jonathan was wearing that army outfit, or something closely allied to an army outfit. Paul said to Timothy, he said, this is 2 Timothy 2 verse 3, he said, join, join with me in suffering like a good soldier of Jesus Christ. And so he was saying to Timothy, look, if in effect, he said, like, look, we are in this army, and we need to be serving in this army, as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. And that is exactly what we are. We are soldiers of Jesus Christ. Now, I know that some of you are sitting there thinking like, soldier? Really? Am I really a soldier? Perhaps you might even be thinking, I don't know whether I signed up for this. And that's okay, because it's good for us to go through these thought processes, because if we didn't know it, then we need to know it. Or maybe your thoughts are something along those lines this morning. But look, the truth of, it, of things is this, that we are soldiers of God. And we are in a battle. That's the truth. We may not want to acknowledge it, but that's certainly what the Bible teaches. Look at what Paul teaches us, for instance, in Ephesians 6, verse 12. Paul writes this. He says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Paul is quite clear, isn't he? He's telling us that our struggle, our struggle is not against human beings. It's not against flesh and blood, because that's how he's describing it. It's not against flesh and blood, but actually our struggle is... Against spiritual authorities it's against the powers of this dark world it's against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms now here's the thing these forces are not necessarily visible but that doesn't mean to say that they're not real because they are and incidentally when we say that our struggle is not against flesh and blood often we can think of hang on a second you don't know captain terrible who works in my office you don't know the person who's living next door to me but you see they are human beings but human beings can have evil spirits operating through them that's what we need to understand but in essence we're not fighting against human beings we are fighting against spiritual powers spiritual authorities spiritual forces of evil That is what we are fighting against. And the Apostle Peter, he went on to remind us about this. 1 Peter 5 verses 8 and 9. He tells all of us, he says, Be alert. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Resist him. Standing firm in the faith, because you know that the, same, that the family of believers throughout the world is undergoing the same kind of sufferings. Your enemy, the devil, is how he starts off. Your enemy, the devil. Did you know that you have an enemy who is the devil, who is called Satan? That is your enemy. Now, I have realized within myself, look, I, hang on. Tell us something we didn't know. I know you could say that to me. I know you could say that to me. We know this. Listen, there's a difference between knowing and believing. There's a difference between holding something in your mind and actually having that knowledge affect the way that you live your life. I know that to be true. Because I know that, oh yeah, I know that our battle isn't against flesh. I've read those scriptures. But it doesn't matter whether I've read them, it's about whether I'm living them. Whether I'm living in a way that I fully understand that. Do I understand that I have an enemy? Now here's the thing. We're sort of taught in the Bible to love everybody, aren't we? And you should be loving. You should be loving your neighbor as yourself. And so there's a sense, I think, even within me, that I thought sometimes about the devil. He's a nasty person, but we're actually not going to be nasty to him. We're going to try and be nice to him. And in the end, we might see him change. There is something in the background of my thinking, I think, of that type of thing. But actually, I've understood from Scripture, or I would say that I am understanding from Scripture, that I need to understand that He is my enemy. He is against me, and He is against you. He is actually prowling around. So we're told to be alert and sober because our enemy, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion and he is looking for someone to devour. Satan is not a human being. He is a spiritual being and he is our enemy. You know, Proverbs 8 verse 13, and this isn't going to come up on your screens, but I read this the other day. It says this, to fear the Lord is to hate evil. To fear the Lord... And we're supposed to have an awesome respect of God. That's what it means to fear the Lord. To fear the Lord is to hate. And I thought to myself, that's quite strong language that the Bible is using there. The Bible tells us to hate evil. The devil is evil. We've got to learn to actually get ourselves in the right framework here. We need to hate the enemy. Why? Because he is against you. And he is seeking to do things against your life and against your family. And you know what? God is against the devil. He's already said he's judged. The enemy has been judged. And his destiny is going to be in the lake of fire. In Matthew he talks about this. Uh, He he talks about the fact that judgment uh, is coming upon Satan. And his place is going to be in the lake of fire. He says, judgment will come because the ruler of this world has already been judged. He's going to go into the lake of fire. There's a destiny for the devil. God hates evil, hates evil. Therefore, he hates the enemy and his destiny is sorted out. This is the scripture I was looking for. When he says, depart from me, you who are cursed into the eternal fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Sorry, I misread that. Uh, that's what we're looking for. And you know what? Judgment, when the Holy Spirit comes, in John 16 it says this when he comes, that is talking about the Holy Spirit, he will bring conviction of our guilt in regard to sin, righteousness, and judgment. In regard to sin, because men do not believe in me. Righteousness is available because I go to the Father and you will see me no more. And judgment will become because the ruler of this world, the ruler of this world has already been judged. Satan has already been judged. Evil, we're going to dismiss evil. We're going to break evil. Evil is going to be dealt with. And it has been dealt with through the cross. But that final wrapping up of evil has not been sorted out yet. That is yet to come. Do we see evil increasing in the world? You do. We're aware of the fact that wickedness has been increasing. We're aware of the fact that wickedness is around us. Listen, the enemy of our souls is prowling around like a roaring lion. And he is looking for someone to devour. If there was a real lion here, (laughs) he would be running out of the building. It's as simple as that. Why? Why? because we would be afraid that that lion might lock his jaws around our leg or our arm or our head or whatever so to protect ourselves we get out this picture here is being shown of that's what the enemy is like he is prowling around he is against you he is evil he has a destiny that God has already declared. He has been judged for what he is and what he is like. And that destiny is in a lake of fire and he is against you and he is prowling around to see if he can actually take hold of you. So what we're finding in the Bible is this. The Bible is informing us and we must that we need to consider ourselves as soldiers in God's army because we are in a battle. We are fighting against spiritual powers and we have an enemy that is looking to devour us. Okay, so that's what we read. Now let's try and look at the reality of what is going on in our lives. Because I suspect ourselves thinking, as I find myself thinking, well, that's what we read. But the reality is something different. an actual fact, are we really in a battle? Or is that just fictional? Is that just something that preachers preach about, we hear about every now and again? So if you like, our challenge is this. Do we really accept that we are in a battle? Or do we just walk around ignoring it? It's strange because as I said, many of us would be fully aware of what Ephesians 6 says. The fact that we fight not against flesh and blood. We're aware of that. We've read it. But I'm not sure that we really know what to do with it. So we read it, but what are we supposed to do with it? It seems to me that there's an acceptance in our minds, certainly. Yes, okay, I've read that, I understood that. But there seems to be a disconnect in the reality of actually working it out in our lives. And whether we really believe it or not. It's almost like we know in our minds that there's a spiritual realm. But practically, we carry on as though it doesn't exist. And that's certainly the case here in the West. Now... I want to contrast that, because when you go out to Africa, and certainly when I went out to Uganda and the people I speak to there, we find a different mindset. They're coming from a different position. They're coming from a background, which we know, of occult things, of witchcraft things, where you have witch doctors, as there are in many nations around the world. And so when you see these, I mean I've been to Haiti and I know that the witch doctors actually fly flags outside their house to indicate this is a place where you can come to a witch doctor and where if you pay your money or do your sacrifices, you can receive some prayers and some power from him and incantations from him that are going to help you. So that's widely known, it's actually marked out, but you don't see that here. So therefore the tendency is to see it there, well of course that's what they have in those countries. And our mindset is very much set in that way. That's what they do, but we are different. So we're separating ourselves. But when you talk, as I have done to my Ugandan friends, and they're talking about their families or their villages or situations where there were the witch doctors that lived in those places, they would know that people come to the witch doctor and the witch doctor would say to them, okay, for that situation, you want to get healing from that or you want to get promotion or you're looking to get that job, then you need to come to me and you need to pay me or you need to bring me a goat or you need to bring me this level of sacrifice... So that this type of of situation requires this sacrifice. Oh no, this type of situation requires a higher sacrifice. And so it might need a bull or something like that. There's something that's necessary to do. And they would go through those incantations. And those people would find they could get results from that. Because there is power in the spiritual realm. But I'm talking right now about the negative power. This is the demonic power. But things can happen. They have a background and an understanding of those things. I've talked to them, people who said like, yes, in my village there used to be a group of people who would do this. So the witch doctors would gather around at night. They would be banging their drums and they would be singing songs and they would be calling upon their spirits. And they would do this for hours. Until one of them would suddenly start speaking now with a different voice. As the spirit had come. And now they would connect with the spiritual realm there's a reality that they can see and they know about that says, oh, no, no, no. When we're talking about spiritual things, this is real. You bring that back to here, and I think most of us would accept, well, I hear that. My experience doesn't really relate to that. After all, in the Western world, well, do we even have those things happening? You see, the problem is this. There's a naivety about us in fact I would actually say it's not just a naivety what is actually happening is that we're not really relating to this if we come to scripture hang on a second let's just ask ourselves do we see these things happening in scripture of course we do let's go to Moses what happens Moses is in Egypt and he's called to bring out the children of Israel I'm going to bring them out that's what the message that he's got from God and God is going to send plagues upon them and so Moses goes to Pharaoh and he says let my people go because they're going to come and worship me." And so Pharaoh says, like, I don't know about that." So Moses says, "Listen, my friend Aaron, my brother Aaron, is going to lift up his rod, and he's going to cause the water in your lakes and in your rivers to turn to blood. And so Aaron stretches out his, his rod, and suddenly water in different places becoming blood. So what does Pharaoh do? He gets hold of his magicians, the people who know how to operate in the demonic realm, and they come. And they do exactly the same thing. Okay. So then that thing passes. Now the next plague that comes along. Is that Moses says there's going to become frogs. Aaron is going to stretch out his hand. And there's going to become frogs out of the rivers. And these frogs are going to come into your homes. And they're really going to upset your lives. In all sorts of ways. There's going to be hundreds and thousands of frogs. And so Aaron stretches out his rod. And certainly these frogs come out. And this plague of frogs comes to them. But Pharaoh goes to his... Demonic people. His magicians. And according to their secret arts. They do the same thing. You see in scripture. We are seeing. There is the power of God. And there is the power of the demonic. These things rest. Now as it happens. If you read on about the plagues. When it comes to the plague of gnats. And Aaron stretches out his hands. And says there is going to be gnats. That are going to come across the land. They are going to bite you. And you are going to get really fed up with it. The magicians have a go. And the magicians can't do that through their secret powers. And so the magicians turned to Pharaoh and said, hey, this is the hand of God. You see, because God rules over these things. But the thing is, these powers are real. And it's not just the situation of the plagues. You think of the story of Elijah on Mount Carmel. When he's up there with Mount Carmel and they've got, they've got this contestant contest between the prophets of Baal. Here's the the prophets who are worshipping demonic forces. And he says to them, okay, who's God? And the people say, actually the people are quiet. The people of Israel are quiet. They don't know. Which way should we go? Because we've seen spiritual powers in Baal. We've seen spiritual powers in God. Who are we going to serve? Who's the best God? So rather than answering the question, they just remain silent. But there's a contest that uh, Elijah throws down. Okay, listen, we're going to have a sacrifice. And the God who answers by fire... In other words, we're going to make our sacrifice, but we're not going to light the sacrifice. We're not going to put any fire on it ourselves. We're going to call upon our, our powers, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. Okay. You don't see the prophets of Baal saying like, "Oh, I don't think we can do that. Quite the opposite. The prophets of Baal say, yeah, okay, that's fine. Let's go for it. So they set up their sacrifice, and you see that they... You go first... They set their sacrifice up. They're doing their incantations. They're dancing around. They are calling upon the demonic spirit realm that they might be able to call down the fire that they know that they can bring. But here's the thing. Elijah has closed the heavens through his prayers. Because God is able to do that. And you see them not being able to call down fire. And it says they start to get intense. They start to cut themselves. And what they're indicating is now they're going to another level of sacrifice. They're offering their blood. But they can't break through. Listen, in the scriptures, in the scriptures that we hold as our guide for life, we're finding stories that are talking about these things. That are telling us that the spiritual realm is real. But here we come back to it. And I don't need to look at you. I'm dealing with myself. our, My mindset. Because I know I have read in this. I know about the spiritual powers. I have preached about it. There's a difference between knowing and actually understanding and believing and acting upon it. That is what I'm talking about this morning. That is what I was challenged with in Uganda. And here's the, the issue. We... Know in our minds, the spiritual realm is real, but it's almost like we're numbed to that truth. So we go around telling each other, yes, this is right, that's what you need to believe, this is what we believe, but do we go home and know how to deal with them? Do we go home and actually address them and fight against them? Do we realize that actually we are in a battle? Do we realize that actually we are the soldiers of God in His army? That we are here to actually maintain our position and make a fight and take our stand? Because we are not fighting against flesh and blood. But we are fighting against the powers of darkness. The rulers of this dark world. We are fighting against them. Or are we just saying like, actually I don't think you exist. And suddenly you see there's a huge difference between us in the West, which is the materialistic West. But materialistic from this point of view, materialistic because we believe in material things. Not just that we want to collect them and have them and own them, which of course we do because that brings satisfaction and delight to us and we love to do those sorts of things. Not just that, but materialistic because if we can see it, if we can touch it, if we can taste it, it is real. But if we can't, I don't know whether I can take hold of that at all. And suddenly what I find is that we're in a position where we are being deceived. We're being deceived. What does it mean to be deceived? It means that you are being misled. You are being misled by a false appearance or by a false statement. You are being misled you're being lulled into something. You're being rested into something that just causes you to stay there. But it's the wrong thing. The serpent came. If you remember at the beginning of the Bible, we see Satan arriving in the form of a serpent. He's speaking to Eve. And he's telling her, Did God say you shouldn't eat that fruit? We know the story. Well, the story is, if you don't know the story, that of course Adam and Eve did eat the fruit from the tree that they weren't supposed to eat. And later on, we find God coming to find them because God is interested in relationship. God is interested in relationship with you and me. He is interested. It's not just about whether we are. He is interested in relationship. And so we find in Scripture that God came into the cool of the afternoon and He was looking for Adam and Eve. Adam and Eve had hidden themselves because now sin had entered their hearts. And it caused them to hide away from God. So God is calling out to them. Where are you? Where are you? And of course eventually they, find, you know, they come before God. And he says like, well, hey, what's going on? What's going on? Have you eaten, God says, of the fruit of that tree? And Eve turns around and says, The serpent deceived me and I ate. The certain serpent deceived me. So we know that the devil comes and one of his prowling actions is not that he needs to actually stab you or to do something really what appears to be horrible to you. He just needs you to be led into a false sense of security and living. So if he can think like, do you know what, the spiritual realm isn't really real. Wow, (laughs) I can do whatever I want now because these people aren't going to stop me. But the reason the Son of God came was to destroy the works of the enemy. Do you hear that? The reason the Son of God was made manifest was to destroy the works of the devil. That's why Jesus came. He came on a war footing. He came as a commander of God's army, if you like. But look, the devil can deceive and he does deceive us. But listen to this, we can deceive ourselves. James 1, verses 22 to 24, where it says, Do not merely listen to the Word. Do not merely listen to the Word. And I'm thinking to myself, well, I, I don't just listen, I, I read it. Yeah, But it's, it's going up to here, and it goes, it goes through the mind, and you process it. So I'm just listening to it. Do not merely just listen to the Word. And so deceive yourselves. If we just take hold of the word and read it and say, yeah, I understand that. It can just sit here and we can end up deceiving ourselves. Your word is truth. That's what Jesus prayed. Your word, he says, is truth. It also says, man shall not live on bread only, but on every word... That comes out of the mouth of God. God's word is truth. God's word is for us. What is Jesus' name? He is the way, the truth and the life. What does the Holy Spirit do? He is supposed to guide us into all truth. We have the Father, Son and the Spirit all trying to help us. And yet what happens to us is that we are receiving the word. We are reading the word. And it can be just sitting here. And we are not actually taking hold of it. And believing it. And being strong in it. When that is exactly what we need to do. The verse goes, do not merely listen to the word and so deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at his face in a mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forget what he looks like. I had a look at myself in the mirror before I came down here. I'd forgotten about that and suddenly I saw that I was wearing these fatigues. That's what it's saying. It's that, look, we all know what it's like. You look at the mirror, you get yourself, and as soon as you walk away, well, what did I look like? You're trusting in that, that everything's going to be all right, but you've forgotten because you're no longer there. We can deceive ourselves. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Okay, we're going to jump that. Okay, let me just finish off with this because we can look at this a little bit more next week. Let me just share this. Let's understand what the activity of Satan is. The character and the activity of Satan. Let's just leave ourselves with this. Because if we do not know our enemy, then there's no actual understanding for us to go for it. You don't know what you're fighting, you're not going to fight. You've heard all these things before, because it's the sort of things that comes up in business talks and encourages you. If you don't know what your targets are, how are you ever going to meet them? Very true. If you don't know who your enemy is, how are you ever going to stand against him? The answer is we don't. And in fact, if I look at myself, I would just go away and say, well, actually, I'm sure those don't things don't really happen, so we're just going to push them down. Well, I know they do happen. God, please, will you sort the devil out? Okay, I've sorted it out. That is not, That is not the background of prayer that you get in Uganda. In Uganda, they are praying against. They are separating themselves from. They are uprooting. They are overthrowing. They are coming in warfare against the work of the enemy so that he might be destroyed. Because we as the people of God are more than conquerors. Greater is he who is in me than he who is in the world. That's what the Word of God says. But we can look at more of that next week. Let me just say, the activity and the character of Satan... Satan is not just content with deceiving people, as we saw in the Garden of Eden. He's not just content with the fact that he's managed to infect all of humanity with sin. Because Adam and Eve fell. Because as one has fallen, that sin comes upon us all. He's not just going to leave it there. It says in John 10 verse 10, The thief, this is talking about him, The thief comes only to steal, to kill and destroy. I need to get this into my mind so that I stop thinking of like, well, he's not so bad. He's got baggy red tights and a couple of horns, but that's all. He's got a little pronged fork. That's it. Stop. We mustn't deceive ourselves any longer. The enemy is out to kill, to steal, and to destroy you because you are a child of God. He wants to stand against you. His tactics... They include lying. They include deception. They include the sowing of doubt. Even the fact of can I believe that God is. Or that he wants to help me. Or that he loves me. The sowing of doubt in our minds. And it can have an effect upon us. Listen to what it says in John 8 verse 44. Talking of the people who are following Satan if you like. You belong to your father the devil... And you want to carry out your father's desires. He, this is the devil, was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language, for he is a liar and the father of lies. So what was I learning in Uganda? I was learning that we need to wake up to the realm of the spirit, the spiritual realm. There's a real sense... In which we are being deceived. And by us doing little, if you like, in fighting back. There's a sense in which just a war can be happening around us. It can even be overwhelming us. That's not what the church is about. The church is God's answer. The manifold wisdom of God shall be made known to the powers and the principalities. That's who we are as the people of God. And therefore there is something that we have to rise up into. There's something that we need to become. And it's not that, oh, we can suddenly do it. We can do none of this without him. But we have a commanding officer in our army who will lead us if we'll allow him to. If we'll come under his authority. The word of God says, submit yourselves to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. We have a commanding officer that we need to come under and for him to operate over us. Proverbs 3 verse 5 and 6 came to my mind this last week. Trust in the Lord, it says, with all your heart. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Our understanding is, oh no, I'm not sure this is real. Is everything that Jonathan said this morning biblical or can we believe it? You need to go back to your scriptures and look for that. But not only look in your scriptures, like me, you need to come before God and say, God, I need your help here. Because I can see that what your word is saying and where my life is, the two don't match up. There's a disparity in my thinking. And that needs to come together. I need to hold to your truth. I need deception to go. I need doubt to go. And I need to resist them and stand against them. So, we want to trust in the Lord with all of our hearts. Lean not to our own understanding. In all of our ways, submit to Him. And He will make our pathway straight. That's what the Word of God says. So, amen. We're soldiers in God's army. Okay? We are at war against the enemy. But He has been defeated by the cross. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Bromley Town Church you are always welcome to visit us on a Sunday morning or join us again for more messages here online. You can also stay connected with us at www.bromleytownchurch.com.